Hello, and welcome to episode 1244 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, January 12th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I, uh, I'm tired, but I'm doing yeah. all right. I'm not going anywhere this weekend. On, uh, as we originally planned, we just, uh, we just decided to avoid the potential chaos. With the, uh, we were going to be flying on Alaska. Are you familiar with what happened on their airline recently, Justin? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for those that don't know, a, a door flew off. Now, apparently it wasn't being used as a door, so it's, it's called a door plug or something. Whatever. A piece of the goddamn plane flew off <laughs> while it was flying. And I don't really care what you want to call it. It's terrifying. Thankfully, everything was pretty, pretty okay. Some people's shit got sucked out. Some kid's shirt got yoinked off. Could you imagine the pressure just ripping your shirt off? That's insane. Uh, I am petrified to fly. Uh, I'm, I'm it's not a great flyer. It was one of the things that like popped up out of nowhere when I got sober. Like, I mean, I, I was in the army. I jumped out of planes. I, yeah. You know, um, so like, you know, I mean, I've, I've, my mom worked for the airlines growing up. So like I got free air travel and stuff. So I've flown hundreds, probably close to thousands of times in my life. And then when I got sober, all of a sudden, like I became scared of flying. Like, like it's like, Oh, crap. now I have something to live for. And I'm afraid. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, I still do it, but this does not help. No, so, like, you know Danielle what else doesn't talking, help when you watch the movie flight, Two nope. days before that happens. And I did this. And I don't really know why. Like, I knew the trip was coming up and everything. And I knew that that movie would be in my head. I did not know that two days later, the airline that I was flying was going to have a, a door blow off their airplane. So, you know, we're dealing with that. And Alaska's like shutting down different planes and whatnot. Then we have a pending like ice storm freeze over situation here in Austin that's supposed to happen late Sunday before we like uh, after we get back like we were going to have it timed kind of perfectly where we were going to get back then the weather was going to kind of turn so then we're thinking like a delay from the airline could then be compounded by a delay from the weather right like say the airline delays us five six hours then the weather turns here in Austin then we can't get here because not not because of an airplane situation, but because of weather. So we just saw it as potential chaos. So we're just punting our trip. It wasn't specific to this weekend for anything. We were just going to go and have a little San Diego weekend this weekend. We're just going to move it. So the, the pressure's off. I, I was stressing my, my face off about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Danielle and I are actually talking about taking separate flights to New York just in case one of them were to go down or something like that. But you know, if that flight, like, like the like to, the president, yeah, like, well, some like some parents, like you know, like uh, that's why Travis Barker's uh, wife was not on the flight that he was on, wow. right? Because they take separate flights in case something happens. Um, that's uh, scary, right? And so we're we're talking about that, uh, but you know, like if something were to happen to the plane you were supposed to be on, we're now in a final destination movie so we've gone from flight to final destination exactly and there will be some sort of log on the road that's coming e for you. exactly so again we just bypassed all of it we were worried because of some 
non-refundable stuff. Jen called, got it handled. She was on hold for a long time. Mentioned everything, you know, about what was going on with Alaska. So the hotel took care of us. So it ended up being an easy Band-Aid ripoff at the end. I and we can Jen just, to handle my uh she my was on it dude. I, I thought jason was the guy but we thought he was a travel wizard we yeah. might have a new travel wizard yeah she got it all handled so that that was great so i'll be home for the weekend um and i won't have to potentially watch the lions game in an airport that was another thing i really wasn't looking forward to was possibly being stuck in an airport watching the lions game but uh anyway we got plenty of baseball to talk about we got some moves we got somebody freed there's a, there's a free man that uh, you now have on your on your board there. Uh, we'll get to him in a moment. He's got a new teammate as well. Well, he's got a million new teammates, but uh, the Cubs have multiple players. And then we will finally finish the first base preview. We've taken a while on it, three parts, but we'll get to the end of it. But let's start with the Cubs. Uh, I hinted at the trade they did. We'll do that. We'll do that in a second. But they signed Shote Imanaga to a four-year deal that can get up to a five-year deal. It's 453 with a chance to go 580. Imanaga, if you don't know, is a left-hander coming over from the, uh, from Japan. He's been a pretty solid veteran over there. A little bit of a home run issue at times um, that could be exacerbated a little bit more here, but a big-time strikeout guy. I mean, he looks pretty good. Now, one thing is we have a tendency as kind of a, a baseball community to dream on somebody like Imanaga coming over, like, oh my God, he could be anything. And then comparing him to some of the veterans that also got like 13, 14 mil. For example, like Sean Manaya. Everyone's acting like, you know, Imanaga's such a better signing than Sean Manaya because, because we have an idea of what Sean Manaya is, right? Mm -hmm. But he got like 14 mil. But like, it's not that hard to envision Manaya staying healthy and, and putting up another 2021 type season, right? Like that's in the cards for him. So I think Imanaga is going to be in the tier of player that he was signed as, right? So like I said, 13, 14 mil a year, that's something that Manaya is getting. I think he's going to be a, a middle-class type of pitcher, which is fine. I'm, I don't say that, you know, negatively, but I think people want to dream and kind of have this, big bright idea of what Shota Imanaga can be. What do you think he's going to be? It's really hard to know. And I mean, I, I was writing up the market report last night um, and Imanaga wasn't on it, uh, but Yamamoto was right. Cause Yamamoto signed with the Dodgers. I'm sure Imanaga will be on the next one. Yeah. Cause um, it, it comes kind of in, in a wave. Yeah. So Yamamoto being on this one means it might be another one or two before the Imanaga stuff shows up. So, uh, but uh, you know, Saris, a uh, friend of the show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Was that FSWA uh, Hall oh, of Famer? You know, Hall Saris? of Famer. Uh, huge congrats to our friend. You know, Man, on making that. So I'm on the panel, and so the mm -hmm. first thing I uh, again there I said, if we put Eno on, I walk. Like I threatened to walk. Apparently, I don't care that carry that much weight though, because they yeah. voted him in. But yeah. I flipped I flipped the table. I was like, I hate this guy. I cannot believe we're voting him in. I told them all about his racism and his <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it was great. Um I didn't even have to nominate Eno and look like a little homer, you know, vo voting one of my best friends. Uh somebody else nominated him. Of course, I was e easy vote for him for me. And he's very well deserving. Uh so I'm very excited for Eno there. But anyway, what did Eno say about Shota Imanaga? 
so he uh he talked about in his article on him uh what or that he had the most ride on his fastball of any pitcher pitching in the WBC. Um, that's pretty nice. Which is pretty nice. One of the problems though is he's also struggled with home runs in Japan. That's my concern. Think, that makes you think he may struggle with home runs um in uh the US, uh considering it's easier to hit the ball out in the US than it is in Japan, uh in most parks. So uh and then you've got a guy who's had inconsistent velocity uh throughout his career. He's kind of a smaller build, uh being only like 5'10, 170, I think. Uh I just I don't know. And then you've got the the workload concerns, right? You we've already seen the Dodgers move to either a six man or six day rotation. Uh, yeah. Uh, you want to clarify that a little bit? So with with Yamamoto coming up, they're you know, in, in Japan and and, they, and glass now too, by the way. They have two yeah. considerations for it. Well, I think even more than that, I think they have Bobby Miller too. And yeah. And yeah, just multiple, um, just you know, many, many, many considerations for it. But go ahead. So I'm sorry. In Japan, they don't pitch on a five day rotation. They pitch on a once a week rotation, which is six days there because they all have one day off each week. So in order to mimic that for Yamamoto and because they have a number of guys with either injury or innings concerns, they're going to move to that kind of rotation where they're going to, you know, every six day is going to be a different starter, uh, which means they're going to be guys who don't pitch in a given week when they have a five-game week, uh, or, and very few guys are going to get two starts a week, right? You're going to have to have seven games in that week in order for that to happen, and only one guy will be eligible for that. So mm-hmm. uh, will Chicago do something like that? Um, but I think you have to put an innings cap of probably around 150 on in manga uh, for uh, uh, 2024. And to me, I think the combination of the unknowns, because we just have never seen him pitch in on, I know against major league pitching, or at least outside of the WPC against major league pitching, or major major league hitting. Um, And kind of those concerns have already mentioned, I'm probably not going to get him. Now I did draft him. Talking um, Imanaga here still. Yeah, um, I did draft him in my first Gladiator. Okay. Uh, Where'd you get him there? Accidentally. Um, <laughs> just think it was Yamamoto. You're like, he's I available was, late. I thought it was Yamamoto. He was just, and I was like, whoa, pick 200. This um, is fantastic. Uh, I can look up exactly where I got him. But uh, yeah, so I accidentally... Uh, I had no idea who he was at that point. Um, so. Well, at least you at least you got one share, just in case he's that awesome. Yeah, so I've got my one share. It's in a fifty dollars gladiator, which I'm not like overly concerned. Like, oh, if that one, do, you know, if that one doesn't hit, I'm not like losing my mind. Um, but uh, yeah, I just can't imagine I'm going to end up drafting him again unless he just falls in a draft, which. I would assume at this point because he's now signed. Um, That's less it's likely. Probably, yeah, it's just not going to happen. So, uh, and of what course, date, what date range are you doing for ADP? By the way, uh, that is a good question. I had not set that. I was kind of waiting to see what you were going to do. I did twelve twenty. Uh, twelve twenty seems about right. That's eleven drafts. drafts. Yeah, that that should work. Okay, 
So yeah, with Imanaga, while you look up when, where you drafted him, it seems like a pretty fair deal. Um, I expect him to be kind of a kind of a mid rotation guy, like a three four type, right? And you know that that's a that's a border there where three he's probably delivering twelve team fantasy value with ten team usefulness, maybe as like a team streamer or straight up streamer. Um, obviously, if he's a four and he's a bit more fringe in tens and twelves, maybe a, a standard streamer in both those formats, and then somebody that we want more consistently in a fifteen. Um, I'd be surprised if he went crazy. 242? Okay, let me see where he's... Compare that to his ADP. Oh, yeah, you got a, you got a bargain there. Two, 217 ADP over these last 11 drafts, and 242 would have been the max. So you got in when the getting yeah. was was better. It's already moving up. The, and this, this has no impact of his signing yet. None of these yeah. drafts will have included him being signed for Imanaga. I will, I want to, you know, I do want to say that I tend to be the guy that stays away from these guys just in general. So if you haven't been afraid of Japanese or Korean imports um, in the past, then you may want to take the gamble. Uh, and I don't have a problem with that. For me, like, I don't like the unknowns. Um, you know, I, you know, I mean, especially for like Yamamoto, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to get Yamamoto probably anywhere it's just, outside of a dynasty. Like he's just too expensive. So and I expensive. think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a second round pick by the time we get the draft day. So, uh, cause he's, he's all his 46 he's, ADP right now. Yeah. And his min is 26, or at least it was as of last night when I was, uh, that's, doing, that's which so much. Yes. Or I guess the min for we're looking at is 30. But I mean, I assume he's going to get his ADP will be 30 by the time, you know, starting pitching continues to move up going into March. Um, people are going to get the same pitch in the spring. Um, and I just, a guy in a six man rotation or a six day rotation uh, that has never pitched regularly in Major League Baseball, um, that, you know, Yamamoto slate framed as well. Uh, I just, I think there's. That. There's nothing wrong with that, I'm but just kidding. Uh, necessarily, because I mean, there are guys who make that work for long. I mean, look sure. at Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is a you know slight frame guy, um, but he's had injury issues too. He's had injury issues, and I I worry about when slate frame guys have to put on innings or change their routine. Um, so a guy, you know, I think you know both Yamamoto and Manga. Um, have to not only kind of change the routine going from, you know, their, you know, the Japanese ball to American ball, but now they will try to put on more innings on top of that. So uh, to me, I just don't like, I don't like the combination of those things. So I tend to be out. I was out on Senga last year and that did not feel so good. The only place I got him was it the Arizona fall league draft. Yeah. But if, um, but if you're out, you're out permanently, you know, right. Like, and you, you, you accept that you're going to miss sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you're, you're going to miss and that's okay. You're out. Not because you think that none of them will ever come over and be good, but because you don't want to take the hits, the misses with the yeah. hits. The one and, caveat you know, to that is I'd be happy to draft Yamamoto on a dynasty league team. Yeah. Because then you got the long term to kind of see where it goes. Um, and we did draft Ha Sung Kim, by the way. We were pretty hot on him when he came over. Yeah. But maybe maybe I, you have a difference more, with pitchers. Yeah, I got hitters. more of an issue with pitchers than hitters. Um, totally fair. But even the hitters, I mean, you know, the Kim 
you know, did not pan out in that first no, year. No, no. I was just saying that, so, like, yeah, we, we gassed him up um, the first year. He was not good. Thankfully, we stuck with him. We've been touting yeah. him from day one. But, uh, yeah, there were some growing pains. So, I mean, we took it on the chin in that first year. He wasn't super expensive, but he gave you a 76 OPS plus with eight homers and six steals. Yeah, it was brutal. It. And then pretty solid in 2022 and then the breakout last year. So it takes time. And this could happen with Imanaga, Captain with Yamamoto. Uh, we've seen Senga hit the ground running. But I'm I'm really excited for Yamamoto, of course, because of the hype he brings. But I'm excited for Imanaga. Solid signing for the Cubs. It basically, though, here's the thing, it, just to kind of put a, a button on it. He basically just kind of replaces the guy that we're going to talk about in a second who signed with the Yankees, Marcus Stroman, right? Like, let that be a guideline for what you're hoping for. Stroman yep. had a 395 ERA and a 126 whip. If Imanaga can do that, it'd be amazing. Yeah. So um, they also made a trade. Now, we're in the uh, Pole Hitter Pod Discord, which we were also on the show yesterday. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much to Rob for having us on. A couple of meatballs like us getting to talk with him. Uh, I love Rob, one of my favorite people in the industry. Great guy. Uh, had us on. And someone in their Discord was like, should we be getting so happy that Michael Bush is freed now? Haven't we done this before? Didn't we do this with a Dodger going to the Cubs? They cited Edwin Rios. And I was like, yeah, that's actually like a pretty fair point. That said, I cannot contain my excitement. Yeah. I am more excited about Bush than I was Rios. Michael Bush is freed. He's going to the Cubs. What do you think about this move? I mean, I love this move. My only concern is uh, the second big issue with Michael Bush um, hasn't changed. And that is that he is a bad defender. Um, yes. Like, I mean, there is a reason why he has not broken into the Dodgers lineup is because he is so bad defensively at every position that can't be, can't they shifted anymore either. Yeah. That like there's no place to really play him. Um, and I don't know that that changes in uh, Chicago. And we're talking about a Chicago team that is usually pretty decent defensively. So, well, he's going to play first over that clown, Matt Mervis, because they hate Mervis. I guess he could. Patrick um, Wisdom. I mean, aren't he and Wisdom a perfect platoon? Yeah, I think they could be. Um, it's actually kind of well, fitting, um, you know, with the two big moves here that Zimborski put up Cubs zips projections today. Go to the front page and you can see it front and center. Um, Imanaga tabbed for a 3.2 war, which is pretty damn nice. And then uh, it says 2.0, but next to Bush, Wisdom and Mervis combined. So I don't know what slice of that goes to Bush. But um, the reason we like him is that he can hit. And you're right that the Dodgers, you know, they couldn't find a spot for him. And I think they even said basically like the inability to shift him allows, you know, doesn't allow us the protection of a bad defender, which we've been able to do in the past. Um, and credit to Max Muncy. He started as kind of a let's hide him somewhere and, and kind of move him around the diamond and rounded himself into like a decent fielder. So this isn't a Max Muncy situation. Bush is just not that good. And now that he can't be shifted, they can't hide him. So they make the move here. We should address what that person in uh, uh, Rob DiPietro's podcast said about 
Edwin Rios, though, because there are some parallels of like this big power guy who's got a ton of swing and miss. And if the Dodgers don't want him, what do we, why do we think that the Cubs are just going to land some gem that the Dodgers are discarding here? Might might they be selling the Cubs a uh, a, a dream here with Michael Bush? Um, I mean, obviously, like you know, the Dodgers tend to do well on these kind of deals. So, uh, it, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if it turned out that Michael Bush just sucks at baseball. Uh, I tend to not believe that, though. Um, I'm still holding out that hope. You know, and I mean, obviously, really, really small sample, but the underlying skills on that 81 plate appearance sample, pretty good. The average zone contact, you know. And, and way better than what Rios has. And that's why, um, and I, I even, you know, there's a discussion going on about it. I was like, I think he's a little bit different than Rios. Like, it's a fair thing to bring up. But Rios had, like, crazy swing and miss like a 16% swinging strike rate. It was very clear that he was going to be an all or nothing kind of guy Rios was. And I think Bush has a better bat than that. Um, he struck out 33% of the time in his 81 plate appearances as well, but it was with like a 12 or 13% swinging strike rate. He didn't strike out that much coming up. I just think he's a better pure hitter. Michael Bush is than um, Edwin Rios, but you know, let's be, let's be honest about like the prospect pedigree too. Like, Edwin Rios was never considered like a top tier prospect. Like true. You go and look at his scouting report on our page from 2020 and he's the team's 30th prospect, like yeah. not 30th prospect in baseball. Whereas Michael Bush 30th prospect in baseball, you know, their team's second best prospect and on 29th it, you know. overall. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is, this is a really, really good prospect that I think if he was, even adequate defensively uh, would be probably a top 15 prospect in all of baseball. So like, uh, and like he's pretty much hit at every single stop. It does come with strikeouts, 26% strikeout rate. Look at AAA. last year's triple a run. Well, I think he just, he's gotten, he's just, he's just too good for triple a. Well, now, it was a 19% K with an 8% swinging strike rate. That's pretty nice. Yeah. If he could be a quad A guy, maybe he is a quad A guy. But might be. Might be. I think he is. Uh, I think he's a guy who is going to hit at the major league level. And if they can just find him a DH spot uh, regularly or hide him at first, or, you know, let him, you know, you know, play him at first, uh, I think he's going to be a pretty good bat. The question is, what will the price become? Well, no, here's I'm really hoping Michael I'm really Bush, hoping Cody Bellinger or someone signs today and kind of just like people forget. It would keep the price low. And we yeah. know the Cubs like to sign like 512 first base types in a given offseason. Um, here's the thing. Michael Bush is pick 500 right now. He could go up a ton and I'd still pay. He go up 200 picks and I'll still pay. Exactly. Yeah. So, like I would still pay like a 350. Especially because he's third base eligible. Um Exactly. Which is like not a great position. So like he now becomes, you know, your backup plan at third base every single time. We're both in uh, DCs right now. Mm -hmm. I think he's on our board for sure. So that's Michael Bush. I know. I'm a little traded. bummed. I made my pick. What round are y'all in? Uh, well, I'm in two different ones. Okay. What's the um, deepest one? It is... Mine's in the second round. I got some time. Ooh. <laughs> What what pick do you have in that one? As I look up, where around six, and I got Mookie Betts at six. Oh, that's nice. I I started uh, in my most recent one. 
and then we're in round nine. Uh, but the the one that's been going for a little while is in round nineteen. Um, so I kind of wish I had taken him with my last pick. Uh, still available. All right, here we go. Oh yeah, you can wait. You can wait. Two eighty five, nineteen times fifteen, real quick there. Two eighty five. I, I would wait. I'm gonna, another. Set, I'm, I'm gonna set that min real quick. You're gonna set that min really, really spicy there, so that you can write in your market report. Some savvy drafter drafted yeah. Michael Bush. Yeah, uh, no, I'll probably wait a little bit. So that's Bush. We like him. You and I are still bought in. I think he's at least the strong side platoon first baseman. Uh, I'm not too worried about his 81 plate appearances at the majors. That's a small sample. I'm looking at the guy in the minors who has just consistently hit. Uh, the trade didn't really bring back anything of fantasy relevance. Uh, two prospects go to the Dodgers, Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope. I don't know a thing about either of them. Do you? Um, No, except for our friend Shelly V uh, had a really great tweet. So um, Jackson Ferris, uh, he's a lefty. Uh, he's only 19. Um, he did get a $3 million bonus uh, when he signed in the second round. Uh, with the Cubs, so uh, you know, a prospect of no, he's a team 16th prospect, not on top 100 um, as of yet because he's pretty far away. But it sets up a potential situation in which if the Dodgers can get him to the rotation in a few years and they still have Walker Bueller, we then have Ferris Bueller in the rotation. <laughs> Shout out, that'd, Shelley. that'd be fantastic, Shelly. Yeah. Hitting the hard-hitting news there, and I appreciate mm -hmm. it. Uh, let's talk about Stroman going to the uh, Yankees because it is interesting. It is interesting how Cubs-centric all the news was yesterday with their two moves and then their guy uh, landing elsewhere with Marcus Stroman going to New York. Look, I think the first thing that we can cross off is, you know, because we always, like, make up this whole big thing about, like, will they be able to handle New York, which I think is always overblown a bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. As if everyone who struggles with the Yankees only struggles because New York is like a difficult place or whatever. I don't think that's going to be any problem for Stroh, right? Like he'll embrace that. He'll have no problem dealing with that. He's from New York. So we can put that off to the side. What about Stroman as a pitcher? Is he just going to continue to be himself, which is a solid, capable mid-rotation arm for about 140, 150 innings? Or do you see anything different here heading back to New York? He was a, a Met for a year. Now he gets to be a Yankee. What do you think of Stroh in uh in New York, a year and a half, by the way, with the Mets. Go ahead. Um, I, mean, I don't love this landing spot. I would have preferred to see him stay in Chicago, where that infield defense is really, really good. Uh, and he seemed really comfortable. But, I mean, like you said, like he's probably just going to be the guy who always is, uh, which is, you know, mid to kind of high threes ERA pitcher uh, that – you know, gets you seven strikeouts per nine, uh, win a bunch of games in New York because we expect the Yankees to be pretty good, um, yep. but could hurt your whip a little bit. Uh, you know, the whip last year uh, was uh, 126. I do want to point out because, I mean, I have seen a lot of people give similar kind of um, analysis to what I'm giving, which is like, yeah, he's kind of a, boring ho-hum innings eater that's not going to hurt you but not going to help you really um he was fantastic before getting injured last year yeah um, i mean he's an all-star yeah like he was really really good um stroman had you, a 290 sorry to interrupt you 296 era 111 whip in his first 113 innings over the first half first row 
Yeah, and then he got hurt. So if you were like me and you dropped him when he got hurt and weren't able to pick him back up because someone else did, you didn't you get those last 24 innings. You didn't, you didn't get those last 24 innings where he got just torched. I kind of want to throw out those last 24 innings because he was clearly still ailing. Um, but I mean, I don't think he's going to be a 294 or whatever ERA you said kind of pitcher. I think at best case scenario, he's like a three, 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 four guy, um, but he's fine. more likely like a three, seven, 120 whip. Um, that all works, which, which is all fine considering where he's going to. You know, the price will go up. He'll be on my next market report, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think Marcus Stroman's one of those guys that kind of gets discounted unfairly um, when he's, you know, perfectly fine glue guy for the back of your rotation. I think that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, like there's some upside with him, with Marcus Stroman, but, uh, and the downside isn't too bad, obviously, unless he gets hurt and something goes off the wires like it did last year um, down the stretch there. Let me see where his price is real quick here. He is 280 uh, which seems totally fair. He's going to go up. Might go up a little bit more because it's the Yankees, a little Yankee tax action. Let's say he's going up. Well, I'm going to give him 50 picks. I'll take him up to 230, and that puts Marcus Stroman around Christopher Sanchez, Reed Detmers, Emmett Sheehan, and let me find one more starter here, Lucas Giolito. What do you think of that group? Um, With Stroman in it. Up to two thirty, yeah, and then um, Giolito's at two twenty. So yeah. those are the pitchers in that two twenty to two thirty range. If he gets up about 50, 60 picks, I don't mind that. You know, like he's at that point, he's got probably less upside than the majority of those guys. But yeah. uh, I think a higher floor. Like I, I'm not. You know, you're obviously. You know, we've seen the floor from Giolito the last few years. Right. So, like, I would rather have Marcus Stroman's floor, I think, than by the way, Giolito's. Lucas Giolito. So, I don't, I, I want to tread a little lightly here bringing this up. It's public news. So, it's not anything crazy or whatever. But I just, I randomly noticed this when I lo- was looking at him up to um, write up his little blurb for my starting pitcher rankings. Not only was he traded clear across the country twice last year, he got a divorce in the second half. Oh, I didn't know this. Like, I cannot tell you how little I care about his non-White Sox numbers now. I was already discounting them a bit because of getting traded twice like that. Like, hey, that's pretty tough. He was also getting divorced at that time. It was in the second half of the season. That's brutal. I'm sorry, dude. Like, yeah, you're getting yo-yoed across the country and you're getting a divorce. Like, I'm going to give him a pass there and kind of kind of give him a washout and, and look at the White Sox numbers, 379 ERA, 122 whip, and still have some pretty decent confidence in Giolito. Not to sidetrack us from Stroman, but I he just also, want to point that out. Yeah, and I mean, he also had, I mean, obviously this is public as well. He also had to live in Cleveland for a while, which <laughs> is pretty gross. Brutal, dude. It's brutal. I'm from Detroit. I can't say shit. But uh, yeah, so anyway, that that sucks. And if Stroman gets all the way up there, I think I would still prefer like Giolito. You know, I'd prefer my boy Christopher Sanchez and Reed Detmers, two guys I, I really think like. For me, it's all about roster construction, right? He might and not I, go that high either, by the way. We might yeah. be overrating. He might go up like 
25 picks or something. Then he's in there with Seth Lugo. He might not even go up that much at all. That's true. Quite honest, because usually the guys who go up a huge amount are guys with the Giolito type upside, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going, ooh, new spot. He's in the news. And, you know, this guy has a lot of upside. Where Stroman doesn't have that. Like Stroman's really been an SP one or two in fantasy. Uh, so I'm not super worried about like the price going through the roof or anything. Yeah, I agree. But for, for me, it's a lot about like, okay, how is my roster, my, my rotation constructed? If I've got a lot of, you know, or I've got a, a few high upside, low floor guys, then maybe Stroman fits into that a little bit better. If I've been pretty safe with my rotation, yeah. maybe I want one of those high upside, low floor guys, because you can usually find a Marcus Stroman on the waiver wire, even in a 15. Yeah, if, but if I'm getting like some Sanchez's and some Detmers on my team, I think Stroman could counterbalance them yeah. nicely too. So that's a good mm-hmm. call out. So Marcus Stroman in the, in New York should kind of be same old, same old. Uh, like you said, maybe the win potential does go up uh, if the Yankees pan out the way they're supposed to. All right, back into first base here. Coming down the stretch, we're at uh, 337 on the ADP. So you can tell that we're in late territory here. But let's talk about some upside gambles. And um, I can't remember. Uh, the first guy here that we have is Kyle Manzardo. Mm-hmm. Somebody was mentioned related to Cleveland that could harm him. Who was that? Um, like that's on oh, Cleveland? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it might be their rule five pick Davison De Los Santos. Uh, was it him? I think Jeff. Oh, wait, maybe it was in Mining the News. Hang on. I'm sorry here. But anyway, Manzardo. So we're in the upside gambles. I'll, I'll list the names and we'll get back into I mean, Manzardo. I think at best, De Los Santos is like a short side platoon guy. I'll, hang um, on. I'll, fi- I'll find out who it was. Yeah. Uh, but it's Manzardo, Kirloff, Luke Rayleigh, my favorite player ever, uh, Elleris Montero, Nolan Shonwell, and Ryan Noda that are in this group. Let me look here. Uh Oh, yeah, yeah, it was Davison De Los Santos. With the addition of Davison De Los Santos, there's a chance Manzardo will start the season in the minors. Basically just saying they don't have room for both of them. So if you had a lot of Manzardo excitement, I think Davison De Los Santos might cut it. I think they might see him a bit better than you do, the Rule 5 pick. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that's possible. Uh, I mean, it depends really whether or not they're willing to you know, sacrifice maybe a better player for a guy that they have to keep on the 26 uh, man roster. I I don't tend to think that teams that think they're competitive as Cleveland thinks they're competitive. Do they? Um, I would think they do. Right. This is a poachable division. They, you know, like they certainly uh, don't ever play like they think they're competitive, man. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing. I kind of like De Los Santos. He's an interesting power bat who could just rip 25 homers, you know, with with a batting average that is around my weight. Um, if he was just turned loose with, with some upside, obviously, if he could figure some things out. And to that end, I'm not sure that they should have drafted him. I understand the idea of, like, just getting talent. But when you have Manzardo and, and Josh Naylor, why was that the position you picked? Yeah. Why did you do that? It's stupid, I think. I don't know. I mean, he's 20, or he'll be 21 this year. He hasn't reached I know there's AAA. been talk about them potentially trading Naylor. So, I mean, Okay, maybe. if they're thinking that, and then they got De Los Santos and Manzardo, sure. Because what do they love more than anything? 
trade guys, guys who don't cost anything. Yeah, so that they so. can have cheap players. Okay, yeah. well, we'll figure that out. Let's talk Manzano. We saw him at the AFL. They got him from Tampa Bay for Aaron Savali. I thought that was a nice win-win deal. Uh, he had a pretty solid year at AAA. Like I said, we saw him at the Arizona Fall League. He was raking. He was hitting in the home run derby. I think Manzardo can be a pretty nice player next year. It just depends on his outlook. Um, he just might only get like five months or four and a half months if he takes some time to come up. I can't imagine he spends much time in AAA, though. Like, he doesn't need to be twiddling his thumbs down there. So we don't take a lot of gambles, of you and I, of, of prospects that haven't reached the majors at all in our DCs. But we were talking about it with Rob, where we have like kind of a few allocated spots. I'm not averse to taking Manzardo in a DC. What about you? I am. Um, especially if there is some risk that he's not going to be up for the first month or so of the season. Uh, I just don't think there's enough pop in this bat to make a huge difference at first base. Um, and he was in the, the home run derby, though. Did you hear me say that? Yeah, so was Ed- Edward Julian. I, that's, I was you hoping know, that like, you'd follow my, my lead there yeah. of bringing that up because... Uh, not that being in a home run derby means anything but anyway, think, but I don't think Manzardo is going to be a bad player, but I do think, I do wonder if he's going to be a better real life player than he is going to be a fantasy player. He's a guy with a really good hit tool. Yeah. So don't you think he can hit for a bunch of average Yeah, but to combat not having like 30 homers, which, which I think is fine in fantasy. But I think when people see, Oh, this guy's a top 10 to 15 prospect in baseball and he plays first base. I'm going to get a bunch of power with that. And I just don't know that he's ever going to be a big power guy. I think he's going to be a big time average and on base guy, uh, which is fine. But in order for that to be as impactful as you want it to be on your team, he has to play a bunch. And even, you know, as long as they have De La Santos on the roster, even if, you know, at some point Manzardo does come up, he'll be in a platoon situation more than likely, which again, limits his plate appearance potential which means that batting average is a cap or that batting average effect on your team is capped. Um, and we haven't even mentioned the fact batting average is the most fluky, hard to predict stat in fantasy baseball. So like, true, true. I'm, you know, like I just, I don't think there is enough juice at least right now um, to warrant taking him in a redraft league. I, right. I, no Cal Manzardo for you. Doesn't take my view on him in dynasty. Um, doesn't doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be a good player at some point. I, for this year, I just don't think it's worth the squeeze. There's too many other guys in this tier, other tiers, um, that have interesting upside that I'd rather take the gamble on. Cool. You might have talked me out of him. I, don't, I didn't really have him anywhere anyway. I just was saying he's on my board. But, uh, yeah, maybe Manzardo isn't the fit. I, I do like Davis on De Los Santos, and he is a Rule 5 guy. who's So he's stuck there and, like, Maybe they give him a chance to just get 25 bombs by playing a bunch and they keep Manzardo parked a little bit and say, hey, you got to get some more power if you want to be our first baseman. We'll see how that goes. Uh, what about Alex Kirloff? He's got paper wrists. I don't know what that means. Um, I just know that paper's <laughs> frail and so are his wrists. So that's the joke I like to make. He got paper wrists, but he's first base outfield eligible. He'll, he'll tease you, right? Like every time Kirilov is healthy for the two or three weeks that he's healthy, where we get excited because he, he looks good, but then he invariably gets hurt and it ends up being, you know, more disappointment in the end. But he had 11 homers and had a 120 WRC plus last year in 319 plate appearances. Alex Kirilov is still just 26. Are you going back to that well at all, Justin? 
Yeah, I'm going to go back to the well of I don't care about Alex Kirilov. Oh, okay, that's that the well been, that you're at. Yeah, that has been the well that I have talked about with Alex Kirilov since pretty much um, uh, he's been a prospect and been close to the majors. Like, I just, I don't really care about Alex Kirilov. I, I think you're kind of wristist. I, I am a little wristist. I'm not going to lie. It. I knew yeah. it. I can't believe you're saying it. Publicly. There's definitely some of that in my profile. Uh, that I'm a little risky. Um, I projected him for 425 plate appearances, 15 home runs, and 261 batting average, and one stolen base. Like, if that is something you are interested in in fantasy, I think that is. What did what, you put an average for Kirilov? 261. Okay. I think you can definitely beat that, but. I the think risk you of like can, but on I think off, also, and, and, yeah. yeah, it's a projection. You're not, yeah. uh, you're not saying that's his upside. That uh, that's his baseline. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I, I, I don't want this headache either. He's kind of a guy I root for in the background of like, hey, I hope Kirilov figures it out because he's kind of a fun player and I liked him as a prospect. But I don't think I want to deal with the hassle either. And so I, I think I co-signed not really going for him. Three forty-one is not an egregious price point. Um, it's actually down to 355. Again, I wrote these a long time ago, and now we're looking at a different time frame. So he's he's even cheaper these days. Kirilov is. I again, I don't think it's a bad price if somebody's interested. It just seems like you and I aren't interested even at that price point. Yeah. No. Okay. We already talked about how Luke Rayleigh is an amazing player. Um, <laughs> he has been traded since then, but we even talked about the trade, of course. So, yeah, uh, yeah we're fine with him. You can go listen uh, to the trade episode where he got traded for more details there i don't mind him at his price point by the way of three 360 something um Ilaris montero out in colorado 380 adp first third base type right hander so has some short side platoon risk is there any chance that he could find himself in the everyday lineup um right now they got chris bryant penciled in at first so if he's healthy obviously chris bryant's going to play every day and it looks like it's going to be first base and then ryan mcmahon over at third which does make life difficult for montero um i imagine that that's going to be a big point of what you're going to say about why he's not going to play but what do you think of Reese montero had 11 homers but only a 76 wrc plus playing half his games in colorado last year any interest here not really i guess the the path playing time needs an injury um now what if he got it i mean if he got it like he could be interesting the problem is like the plate skills not very good horrendous dude yeah um we're talking about a 36 percent strikeout rate a five percent walk rate um zone contact is 81 and a half percent which is a fair amount below league average a 19.7% swinging strike rate in the major leagues makes you wonder if that strikeout rate might actually go up yeah. as opposed to legitimately 40 potential. He swings outside of the zone 45% of the time. That is atrociously bad. Um, that. He reminds me of a, I mean, he's a Patrick wisdom type, maybe yeah. a short side platoon, a guy like, Hey, yeah, you, there's two men on, and you need a home run because you're down sure. by three in the eighth inning. All he'll right, get, he'll get it for you every once. Lefty's up, yeah. Um, but that's all he is. I mean, he is a younger version of Patrick Wisdom that plays in um, Colorado. In, in Colorado, so like, 
if you're drafting Patrick Wisdom in your league, maybe you look at Montero instead, but you could probably get Patrick Wisdom like 100 picks cheaper. So Let me see where, where P. Wizzy's going. Oh, he's not a first baseman. Hang on. But yeah, Montero, those plate skills, those are freaking brutal. Oh yeah, 580 for P. Wizzy. Yeah, so... Um, Literally yeah. 200 picks later. Again, other guys going around that either have full-time playing time or uh, more interested, more likely to reach the upside than uh, than a guy like uh, Eleros Montero. So. Yeah, and even though our boy uh, Michael Bush doesn't qualify at first right now, he eventually will, and we'd rather just take him around this price point um, over somebody like Montero. What about Nolan Shonwell? I think he's kind of interesting for the Angels. Pick 415. Interesting in that if they do commit to him leading off because of his excellent on-base skill, he might be like a sneaky little profile that can hit like, I don't know, 260, 265, maybe even higher than that. He hit 275 in his MLB sample. So let's say 270 and score just a ton of runs. The problem is, Justin, is he doesn't offer any other fantasy heat. So you need the runs and batting average to come through. And while those are two difficult categories to get late, they're also very volatile and reliant upon um, some good luck with your batted balls for batting average and, of course, your teammates as far as scoring runs. So what do you think of Nolan Shonwell? He was a surprise call-up this year. The Angels, they only draft for immediate need, which is hard to do in MLB, but I do give them credit. They keep identifying. I wonder if that changes now that Otani's gone. Like I don't know. I mean, they still got Trout. Right. Like there's still urgency there, but maybe it doesn't. But I will say this for all the clowning that we do on them and it's all richly deserved. They have at least identified the right guys that are that are worthy of bringing up early. Like these guys have not failed. Detmers, he's a capable major league starter. Neto, outside of getting hurt, looked good. And Seanwell came up and dropped a 15 percent walk rate with a 14 percent K rate and hit the ground running very nicely with a 402 OBP. But is there any fantasy heat here? Um, if he's going to lead off, I think there could be, um, now again, this is like, this is a very Manzardo ish profile. Um, you know, that Shockwell has, right. Great. Like you look at, uh, kind of what the, uh, what the prospect reports say, and they look very similar. Um, uh, is a little bit better than Sean Wells, uh, and, you know, in terms of maybe the power and, even Sean Wells playing but, time looks a lot better because he's been yeah. in the majors and he put some stuff on, on tape. And like, there just isn't, th- there isn't anybody there to compete with him in Los Angeles, unless they sign someone like, right. Like if they That'd sign a first a baseman, dumbass signing, it's the angels. So like, no, I know. I'm just saying like the last thing they need is some random first baseman. It would be yeah. a dumbass signing. Mm-hmm. So they'll do it. They'll yeah, exactly. Do it. Uh, no, I kind of like Sean Well. Like, I mean, especially in draft champions. Maybe not so much in like a regular Fab League, but in a draft champions, you know, we talked about it yesterday on the pod with Rob. Like, what you need to win those leagues is volume, um, and Sean Well's going to get volume. He he legitimately could be a guy who gets seven hundred plate appearances, and if he can do that with a good average and score a bunch of runs maybe that offsets the lack of power. Cause I, I don't think, like, Oh, I, I can actually tell you what I've projected. Yeah. I, I, I would be surprised if you had him um, pegged for more than like nine to 11 homers. I have him for 15, 15 is that okay. If he got 15, I think that might be a little hot. Although I see steamer has 
12 in 447 plate appearances. Yeah, and yeah, they've got him for almost 100 less plate appearances. Or no, more than 100 less plate appearances than I did. So I have him for 620. Wait, no, that's not him. I have him I for 579 plate appearances. I take 15 all day. 15 home runs, 63 uh, runs, 58 RBIs, and a 279 batting average. Um, I take that almost guy all day. 400 on base percentage. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the kicker. So, um, I like him more, obviously, in an OBP league, but yeah, I don't mind him. Now, you guys who play in 10 and 12 team mix, ignore him, right? Like, we're getting to the point where if you're playing yeah. this whole playing, tier, this whole episode is uh, not for uh, uh, shallow team. Well, even Naga and Stroman are, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, in terms every of the, hitter that we're talking yeah. about here is not, yeah. not up their alley. Uh, but uh, Sean Well, uh, I think is in a potential accumulator at first base. Um, and especially those of you playing in draft champions, uh, I think that's perfect as a guy you put on your bench. Agreed. And, uh, you hope that, Hey, he just plays every single day. Yeah. I, I think that's where I'm at with Sean. Well, if he can, if he can get the double digit power, my concern was that he might be a single digit Homer guy, but if he can get the double digits, I'll take that. I really will. I, I think he, he he could spike like 85, 90 runs if he bats near the top of the order. My biggest issue with Sean Well is the fact that I can't seem to remember how to pronounce his name ever. Well, because it looks like Chanuel. Yeah. Um, or Shanuel, I'm glad that you're the host Shanuel. and that you have to introduce him because that I, I, I really try to get these names right for you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it's it. Set you up so that when you go out on the other pods, you yeah. can pass along the proper pronunciations. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Sean, well, because I was thinking like Chanuel or something like that, mm-hmm. but then I heard it on the broadcast. I was like, oh, Sean, well, got it. But anyway, interesting player, a um, little bit of a unique profile for first base in that there's not a ton of power, but it could be like crazy OBP with a ton of runs and a solid batting average. What about Ryan Noda? He was a rule five pick last year for Oakland. Uh, he stuck and put up a hell of a season with a 123 WRC plus, 16 homers and 495 plate appearances. He did strike out 34% of the time, but when you counterbalance it with a 16% walk rate, it doesn't bother me as much, right? Like it's still a lot of swing and miss and that's why he hit 229, but I can live with that when you get a, a 364 OBP. He's from the Dodgers. Um, you know, because they just, their runoff talent can can supply the rest of the league. You know, Michael Bush is, is part of that as well. Uh, but do we think Noda can build on his rookie season? He'll be 28, so he's a, he's an established guy here. Do we think he could be a stud? So this is a really interesting profile, not because he's like, oh, he's a guy who strikes out and has power, because um, that's, that's somewhat common in Major League Baseball. But yeah. it's the underlying skills. Right. So clearly he has a 15% swing strike rate, not to be unexpected, right? From a guy who strikes out as much as him. 76% zone contact is atrocious, uh, especially when around league averages, you know, 84, 85% year to year. Um, what would you suspect his O swing is? I can't and tell if I, you're setting me up that it's like not that high. And I will get you the league average for context okay. uh, for O-Swing. So that way you're not kind of completely flying by. Uh, the league average O-Swing is 32% in 2023. Okay, so we're talking about Ryan Noda with mm-hmm. his 34% K rate. And, and, I, I'll, and I'll tell you, league average swinging strike rate was 11%. His was 15 
league average zone contact was 85%. His was 76. So it's chase rate. I'm going to feel like I might be too high, but I'm going to go high because I can't tell which way you're trying to trick me or if it's not a trick at all. So I'm just going to say 27%. Uh, his, wait, what was league? Wait, what was league average again? League average was thirty-one percent. Oh, 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 wait. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think he's gonna be a little bit below league average, twenty-seven percent. He was twenty-two percent. Holy crap! So all okay. of those strikeouts were not, or the majority of those strikeouts were not him swinging outside the zone. They're probably about getting into deep counts, so there's probably like some take. Mm -hmm. You know, taking third strikes, like you almost wonder if he became more aggressive. Bingo! That he might have some more success. Um, I also don't know that he has prodigious power. I think he's got like good power. Like I don't think it's, but I don't think it's like uh, the type of thirty-five homer power. Uh, I don't know. Maybe might be actually. Oh yeah, no. I think I think he's got big time pop. Yeah. I think Ryan Noda could club. Now he's he's got the park to contend with a bit, but I think he's got he can drop thirty. Yeah, I think he probably could too. Um, I, my projection for him uh, had him with seventeen home runs, a two seventeen batting average, in five hundred plate appearances. I think one of the problems is Soderstrom. Like, what are they going to do? Yeah, because he can't both? catch. Yeah, he, he can't catch, and I think they do want Langoliers to get some DH time. Um, so I think there, while there is some upside here, especially if Noda just gets a little more comfortable with major league pitching, becomes maybe a little bit more aggressive inside of the zone and stops striking out so much, or, or not stop striking out, but uh, makes more contact within the zone. Um, I think there's also the potential that Ryan Noda is in the minor leagues, right? They couldn't send him down last year because he was a Rule Five big. Now, now they, they can. can. True. Um, and so like guys like Noda, guys like Blake Sable. Who spent the year on you know badish teams? Um, they can't send they down a three sixty four OBP though. That's like one of their best players. I mean, they can. I mean, of course they can. They can do whatever yeah. dumb shit it's, they want. It's Oakland. They don't want talent on that team. They, <laughs> they want to continue to just. Be bad. I like Noda. Now, I feel like he could hit like twenty four homers, but it's going to come with like thirty ribbies. So. That, that's very that's true. the tough part. Yeah, I mean, um, I gave him the 17 home runs, uh, and I gave him 58 RBIs. So, like, yeah, I, he had 54 this past year. So, yeah, uh, it won't be a lot there. But I, I like note. I think he's kind of sneaky. I think I would definitely mm -hmm. take him in a DC. Um, and I think he could be like he could be the Rooker of next year. We saw what Brent Rooker yeah. was able to do this past year. If Noda ended up filling that role and he was the 30 homer, 69 ribby guy, I wouldn't be that surprised. So at 417, I can definitely take Ryan Noda. Let's talk about some deep league corners here. Jake Cronenworth, Lamont Wade Jr., DJ LeMayhew, Ryan O'Hearn, and Carlos Santana. Do you take Cronenworth at all anymore? Has he, has he just evaporated? I mean, in a DC, I guess I don't mind it so much only because I think he's still dual eligible. I was right? just about to ask. Um, that was the first thing I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay. Still has first second. So that does yeah, help Cronenworth that a helps. lot. And because of the contract, he is going to play. Like he's, you're going to be there every day for his baseman. Um, and he, you know, he's going to play every day. 
And so, again, in a draft champions, you need those kind of accumulators. True. Uh, but the skills suck. Like, the skills are not good. It was um, rough, dude. Those contracts they gave out, like, just were head-scratchingly bad. Um, I mean, the, yeah. I still think the like, worst one was the Darvish one. It is, because Darvish. he's going to be 80 by the time he retires. Exactly. Um, uh, though, I did hear... Uh, Bogart's one, too. The Bogart one, yeah, it's going to be bad. Because they didn't need um, him. Like I like yeah. Bogarts. I think he can age fine, but they just they didn't need to didn't do that. Him, yeah. Uh I, I did hear like part of the rationale um that went into the Darvish signing was that he was gonna help recruit Japanese players. Um how'd that work out this offseason? But that when the uh the TV deal that they had fell through, they could no longer afford those guys. Oh, um I mean that then, in fairness to them, that's been a big issue. Is the TV yeah. like just being pulled out from under them? Losing was sixty a million dollars a year is you know that definitely hurts. Um, yeah, uh, and they've got massive contracts on the books, right? In Tatis and uh, and Bogarts and and now Darvish and, and Cronenworth and stuff. So um, I get it. Uh, that being said, like as far as Cronenworth goes, like we're talking draft champions, and that's it. And only because of the second base eligibility and the fact that he, he should get another 550 plate appearances if he's mm -hmm. healthy, possibly 600 something. And look, can't rule out a rebound to being back to an above average bat with like 15 homers, but keep keep your expectations in check with Crony. He'll be age 30. Uh, Lamontway Jr. is a great platoon hitter. Uh, he has health issues that also cut into his playing time. So I think he goes late. Um, because to, to build in the fact that like the max you can expect is probably about 500 plate appearances. Like his 519 this year was his highest. And I think that that's probably max. Yeah. But he had 17 homers and a 119 OPS plus. Uh, that's your boy out there. Late night Lamont. What do you think of Lamont Wade Jr.? Is he somebody you like uh, as a strong side platoon? I don't love when guys have the upside of a platoon player. Yeah. Like that, he, he is like, dual eligible at least first outfield, which is fine. Like, okay. I just ne I'm never gonna draft him. Okay, that's fair. Um, I mean, I probably would in, in a DC. You start to get uh, I think get a I'd rather there in the guys, 400s. I think I'd rather have other guys going after him that have the upside to be a full time player at least. Who, who, like Noda, I would take, yeah, I'll take Lemay, Sean Well, talk about, um. um you take LeMahieu? Yeah, absolutely. For what? He's going to play. He's going to play DL. Got him. They didn't call it the DL anymore. <laughs> Fucking roasted him, dude. Went old school with it and just cooked him. Look. I'd rather have Matt Mervis, to be quite honest. Shut up. Because if Matt Mervis Shut does up, dude. get no, time, no, like, no, I think he could no. be good at We something. can't gas up. Uh, Michael Bush, up. like no, no, no. Yes, we can't no. gas up Michael Bush like we just did, and then pretend that it's Matt Mervis has Mervis Michael Bush season, baby. No, the hell, it's not. They're both I lefties anyway. Yeah, I know. Um, all right, so you, you like Lemayhu over Lamont Wade? I do. Yeah. You don't think Lemayhu's cooked? Um, no, I don't think he's necessarily cooked. I mean, is he the is he ever going to be the player that he was? No. He's 35. But, he hit 243 last year. Yeah, no, I, I I get that. But he also is a guy who, you know, I mean, he's had three straight seasons where he's had, 
you know, 540 plate appearances or more. You know, he's going to hit 15 home runs, steal a couple bags. He's going to play. Um, mm. Like, it's, it's, he's multi positional eligible uh, at first and third. You know, he could gain second base back at some point. Uh, like, he's just, like, he's not a guy that I want to build my team around necessarily, but we're talking about a multi positional player and draft champions that's going to play every day, right? Like, um, or pretty close to every day. Like, yeah, I mean, He's not special, but I want him over a guy who's going to play halftime. Yeah. I think the guy who's going to dominate halftime, I think. I don't know. I, I think... I think Lamont Wade could easily out-homer LeMay, LeMayhew hitting part-time. He probably could. I mean, he has 18 and 17. But there's also the risk that LeMayhew has 170 plate appearances because on top of being part-time, he gets hurt a lot. You mean Wade? Yeah. You said LeMayhew, because we got Lamont and LeMayhew, so it's a little confusing. There's all, but wait, LeMayhew does have 170 plate appearance downside as well, because he yeah, gets hurt again. He'll be 35 plate years appearances old. in each of the last three years. And they he sucked last year. Yeah, I know. He I was mean, hurt. He played 136 games, and he, and he was injured through most of those and missed time. He played 125 games the year before. It's just that he was still able to put up 500-plus plate appearances. I get it from the volume standpoint. The plate yeah, skills the are still point. pretty good. With but... multi-positional eligibilities, it helps you cover multiple spots when guys go down. Like You're not drafting any of these guys that we're talking about for your starting lineup. You're drafting them to be a backup and – Hey, now LeMahieu can cover two spots and maybe even a third spot at some point in the season. Whereas Lamont positional eligibility. All right, that's fine. Lamont Wayne can cover two spots too. Thank you very much. First and outfield. Hello. This is true, but he can't cover it if he's not playing. True. All right, DJ LeMahieu, Justin's favorite player. Ryan O'Hearn had a nice little spike uh, in Baltimore last year. I remember being in on him twenty years ago um, with KC. He had he like loved a, Ryan. Oh boy, did I like him? He and was your boy. So embarrassed the comparison that I made now that the trajectory of the other guy's <laughs> career. Um, he went off in 2018. It was a small sample, which I I never made anything more about it than it was a small sample, but it was very good. And it reminded me of another guy whose last name starts with an O as a first baseman. It reminded me of Matt Olson's 2017 <laughs> small sample. It wasn't this. quite as good. It was like, we're talking like baby Matt Olson, but he wasn't even baby Matt. He actually, he, Ryan O'Hearn was baby Matt Olson. He played as well as Matt Olson would have played as a as baby, a baby. Um, for several years after that 2018 debut. He was nothing. And then last year, out of nowhere, he finds 368 plate appearances, rips 14 homers, puts together a 289, 322, 480 line. Does that give you any confidence in Ryan O'Hearn? I'd rather have Ryan O'Hearn than Lamont Wade. Mm, okay. Because I, I think if they both get 425 plate appearances, that O'Hearns will be better. Okay, um, I, can, I can get behind that. Uh, but again, I just don't draft these kind of guys, right? I mean, because O'Hearn has outfield eligibility too, by the way. He does. Uh, On top of the fact that O'Hearn is. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Who the fuck do you draft then? You don't draft this guy. You don't draft this guy. You don't draft this guy. What what do you draft? Nobody? Placeholders? Like I said, I'd rather have like Sean Well, who's going to the same spot. Okay. um, Going you can't give you can't go Seanwell and Lemayhew though, right? Isn't it an either or with them since they have? Oh that no, I, I, it's going to be Seanwell. Like 
nine okay. out of ten times. You know? Okay. Um, the tenth time being the time that someone snipes me on Sean Well. Um, so, yeah, probably. Let's get in a league uh, together. Because I know Sean Well's going to play. Like, I just, you know. The, I feel pretty you know, good about him. Sean Well and O'Hearn probably finish both with 15 home runs. But the amount of other stats to go around with Sean Well plus the batting average, like, um, I, you know, and the fact that I'm not going to have to, like, oh, you know, hey, this weekend there's, you know, there's four games, uh, but there's two lefties. Like, I'm not going to have to do the mental math with a guy like Sean Well. Uh, like you would with I, O'Hearn. Why will it with O'Hearn and with Wade? So, prospect, um, if we have any prospect folks listening, like a Matt Thompson or whomever, Shelly, hit mm-hmm. us up on Sean Well. Am I? I thought it was single digit power. I thought everyone was on him to be like a single digit homer guy. I can't analyze swings. Like I, I don't, I don't know how to look at a swing and say, oh, there's no power there. But I thought people were saying like he's going to be very light power. And I don't, I'm not saying that like to um, undercut you wanting to draft him. I think I still take Sean Well as like an eight homer guy because I, I agree with you that he's going to get 550 plate appearances with a 400 plus OBP. But I, I'm curious if anybody that's a prospect person is listening that can correct me if I'm wrong on this uh, Sean Well power, because I thought it was supposed to be really bad. Um, Carlos Santana, still kicking, still doing things. Does he have a team right now? Or I don't believe so. Okay. Um, so we don't know where he's going to play, but I do think it's worth pointing out that he ripped 23 homers, yeah. played 619 plate appearances. You want to talk about volume? Yeah. He, Even he at age 37. They're all like, you know, like this is, this is my argument. We'll talk about Roddy Telez here in a minute. Like this is my argument for Roddy Telez. Like people are like, well, he's gonna Telez is gonna platoon in Pittsburgh. I'm like, is he? Uh, are you I sure? Mean, Carlos Santana just got 600 plate appearances. You know, most of which were in uh, in Pittsburgh before he was traded. Uh, I mean, the dude is ageless. I like, love Carlos Santana, man. I, I remember when he was like when I first started playing fantasy baseball, he was a prospect, mm-hmm. and I was excited about him as a catcher. Um, but like. He just never falls off. Like I, he's gonna land somewhere. It's gonna start off as a short side platoon, um, and then just and then as everyone the time, else falls behind by the wayside, he stands home runs this year uh, because he gets the 500 plate appearances. So, do you um, take Carlos Santana? Then is he in your list of guys because he plays? Sure. Yeah, I think he is. Um, he has had at least 500 plate appearances in. Every single season that he has played, obviously not including 2020, where he only played 60 of the 60 games. What a um, loser, dude. And his yeah. rookie season in which he uh, you know, only played in 46 games. But he's had 500 plate appearances. Only one of those seasons where that I was just referencing has he had less than 600 plate appearances. That's, <laughs> that's I mean, that, like, that's like, so impressive. Like Dude and he's just forever. plays, he just plays, and um, I'm sure there will be a team, Washington, maybe. Um, yeah, haven't we been putting that, a lot of guys on Washington? We've got to put someone on there. True. So they'll, they'll get uh, somebody. Like he'll find a home, and he will play probably every day, and he'll hit 19 home runs. Um and we'll be sitting there going, oh, I don't know how 38-year-old Carlos Santana hit 19 home runs, but he just and does every year. He's a post-400 pick. Honestly, this is a perfect, perfect underscoring of the type of guy 
that you need to consider more in DCs that a lot of people yeah. are like, huh? Carlos Santana, who cares? I'm taking flashy prospect McGee. And it's like, yeah, I, I understand why you would think that, but the guy who's like damn near a guarantee for 500 plate appearances, even at age 38, is probably the better pick here. So yeah, I think I would definitely take Santana in at least one DC just to see if the uh, the train keeps rolling. Because if this is the year at age 38 where he does finally get derailed and only plays like 300 plate appearances, it won't kill me either, right? But he's been a mainstay the last several years in DCs for us um, as somebody to take with a late pick. Batting average be damned, right? He He's put up 200. Yeah, Carlos Santana does not hit great batting average. Um, but he, in his entire career, obviously not including that rookie season, not including 2020, isn't but the rest of his career, he has never had less than 18 home runs, 50 runs scored, or 60 RBIs in a season. At this point in the draft, like, like you just can't find that. Like he is mm -hmm. like, and maybe this is the year he does. There's no cost attached. Like it's exactly. It so it won't it won't kill you if it does happen. But you gotta love the insane upside that somebody like Carlos Santana brings. So yeah, I'm definitely open to uh, to taking him here as a deep league corner at past pick 400. All right, uh, then anybody else? We got uh, Craig Biggio, Matt Mervis, CJ Crone, Rowdy Telez, Jake Bowers, and Gabriel Arias. Just trade Matt Mervis. Like, just, <laughs> like, just, just trade him. Like, guts, I'm not dude. drafting him unless no. they trade him. So like, I just... Uh, like I said, Rowdy Telez could find 600 plate appearances just because I don't think he will. I do think he's going to platoon. Uh, I would, I'd still gladly take him, though. Uh, yeah, but like there is a world in which Rowdy Telez, because it's Pittsburgh, gets 600 plate appearances. Uh, Jake Bowers weirdly could get plate appearances in Milwaukee. Yep. Um, Can't quit him. I've never been a Bowers guy, but like he has always been a Bowers guy. Yeah, he has his role. Uh, I think that's it. Like, I, Biggio is probably going to play fairly regularly, but I don't really care. Still has uh, a lot of qualification. I think CJ Cron is going to rip up the KBO. Um, Wait, okay, let, let me go back to Biggio. Yeah. If you think he's going to play and he has eligibilities, why wouldn't you be interested? It's fine. I mean, in a, in a, where he's going in a DC, like, it actually is fine because, okay. like I said, he's, he, he is multi positional eligible. Um, and he's probably, I mean, at least right now, as far as the Blue Jays are constructed, they clearly could, you know, and probably still will add more pieces um, at some point. But as they're currently constructed, he's at least a strong side platoon guy, right? Like, I think he's going to, and I think there's a, honestly a pretty good chance he plays every day. I mean, are they really going to play David Schneider um, regularly at second base? Like, that he's so. not good. Um, so now I think they should bring in a second baseman, um, or a third baseman. And I think they could, you know, maybe they bring Matt Chapman back. Um, but, um, at this point, the way things are currently constructed, I think Biggio is going to get 500 plate appearances. Yeah. I think that that's totally fair. And uh, I would take Biggio over David Schneider for sure. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned Tellez, you mentioned Bowers. I got, I got a little love for Gabriel Arias in Cleveland because he, he can play everywhere. Um, like he's a legit middle infielder. And I mean, he had 10 homers last year and 345 plate appearances. It came with a 74 WRC plus, so let me be clear on that. But I think he's better than that. I think he's just kind of getting his feet wet. He'll be 24 years old. 
think he's an interesting utility guy for Cleveland, and I'm keeping uh, Gabriel Arias on my radar right now. Um, yeah. Uh, the hard part with a guy like Arias, I mean, he does have some pop in that bat. Um, you know, hit 10 home runs and 345 plate appearances. The problem is he's just really bad at hitting the baseball. Oh, which do you have to do that in this game? Yeah. Oh, um, dang. My wife last night was sitting at dinner. Or we were sitting oh, at I've... dinner and uh, she she asked me, she goes, um, so what do you think about Casey Schmidt this year? Um, and I was all like, he's got a flaw in his game that uh, that's really hard to overlook because he's not good at baseball. Um <laughs> That's really the only thing holding them but, back. Yeah, and typically to be good at baseball, you have to be good at baseball. Oh, um, right, 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 right. She's that not, she not thrilled. So no, she uh, wanted you to give give her some positive outlook mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think Arius may, you know, play some in Cleveland, but thirty three percent strikeout rate. Uh, you know, hit 210, hit 275 on base percentage. Like, I know he's a good fielder. I know there's pop in the bat, and so he could just accumulate. Um, but I don't know. I, I think there's a, a really good chance that, like, he he played 122 games last year, and that totaled to 345 play appearances. Arias? He, well, because he came in as, like, a um, defensive player. I think it's going he's, to be a role a lot of the time. He's first and short eligible, p- yeah. post pick five hundred. I'm taking Arias in a DC. I don't. I don't mind. Like at this point, like I'm not going to beat up anybody for for. Honestly, the, it's the shortstop eligibility that would make him have some appeal for me that late. Yeah. Uh, but all right, we we have we have exhausted first base here. If there's yes. anybody we didn't talk about that somebody wants us to mention, put him in a comment or on on a tweet and. Uh, if I think he matters at all, I'll bring him up. Um, I mean, I will just real quick going to throw uh, just a dart. Joey Votto is going at pick 717 and reportedly has multiple teams interested in him. Um, have you taken him anywhere? Care Bears. I have not taken him, but I would. I'm sorry. Who are the Care Bears? Oh, uh, Joey. So someone tweeted out. Uh, I can't remember if it was Rosenthal or Passon that. Um, or maybe Nightingale that um, uh, that three teams were interested in Joey Votto, uh, and Joey Votto quote tweeted it and said four teams, and then he had uh, like a, uh, a gif of the Care Bears. <laughs> They're looking for a grumpy bear. Look, if he gets on the Care Bears, I think I'm I'm taking Votto at pick five. The magic, the magic. That That's what I'm saying, did. man. Yeah. You get that magic um, tummy, watch out. So, yeah, uh, for me, like Joey Votto is one of those guys, like at the very end of my draft, where I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm throw a dart right there and see. Um, because I, I mean, I don't, I, I know he's not ever going to be the player that he was, but like, but as your literal last pick. Yeah, I don't know that he's cooked. And if he does sign somewhere, like, I think he's signing to play every day. Like, I don't think he's signing to like, like be on the bench for some team. I think even if he is a strong side platoon, I would I would have some love for Votto. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll put Votto on here so that he uh, he shows up on the file there for uh, 
under under his profile, this episode will show up. All right, we will end it there. Let's go back to three episodes next week. I had to get all those rankings out this week, so I was just crazy busy. They're done. They're up. Jeff's top 200 will go up today. Then those are going to be living, breathing documents, so you will see updates as things happen. You have second base, right? So I don't think anything's I really do. changed much since... Uh, I don't believe so, unless Michael Bush has... I don't think Michael Bush... No, I think he's with, only first only, eligible. On, only third eligible. So, or, I mean, um, th yeah, yeah, third with his... Uh, and then he'll yeah. get first in season. So, yeah. okay. I will talk to you next week. Go Lions and uh, have a good weekend. Take it easy.